Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue to celebrate our 200th episode. Uh, I guess it's 200.1 right. at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. part, part two. Um, we, uh, we are still here at St. Mark, continuing to record and uh, celebrate the ministry that the Lord is bringing to you listening here on the radio waves with his gospel through the Eternal Connection radio program uh, from last a episode. A lot of great questions we had, so thank Thank you for that. And we're going to make headway now in Galatians chapter three today with our live studio audience who's hanging in there with us. Um, so turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter three, and we're going to uh, just start at verse one as a little bit of review. Uh, technically, I think we're going to pick up in verse three, because um, I think that's about as far as we got last time. Yep. Uh, in the show. Uh, glad you're here and listening. Again, uh, Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church here in Omaha, Nebraska, joined by Chip Thompson, Hello. Jason Eisenman, uh, and a lovely audience here to uh, to talk about Scripture and our Lord with us. Uh, before we get into Galatians 3, Chip, why don't you pray for us? Okay. Lord Jesus, bless us in our time this evening uh, in your word in Galatians and uh, bring to mind all those amazing blessings that Paul's going to talk about, uh, that you did everything, everything for us. We don't have to do anything. We can rest in you and what your promises are, what you have done for us on the cross. Uh, Be with us tonight, Lord. Amen. 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 All right, Galatians chapter three, quick top-down review. Um, Paul writing to the churches in Galatia, which involves uh, a couple of different cities and territories. Uh, Galatia is more of a region, somewhere Paul frequented in his missionary journeys. Uh, One of the first places, actually, he went, one of the early church plants that he had, so it had a tender spot in Paul's heart, which I think is why we see Paul um, somewhat uniquely here in Galatians uh, writing with an intensity that we don't see many other places. Um, this is maybe one of his early babies in the faith, uh, as you can think about it. Um, and uh, from the beginning, uh, as we talked about, Paul has kind of been right on the edge of his seat, very eager to dismantle the lies that are being told to these believers in Galatia. Um, pretty much the lie that salvation is based not just on Jesus, but Jesus and you and what you do in obedience to God or not. Um, he started off being astonished, right? That, that word, I'm, I'm just shocked at how quickly you're falling away 
from this faith that was presented to you. A very simple faith, as we talked about in our last episode uh, on Galatians 3, when Paul says, um, it was before your eyes that Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And of course, we talked about Jesus didn't die in Galatia, right? I mean, he, they didn't see him crucified. That's Paul's way of saying, that's the only message we brought to you. And you have to remember that, and it's hard in our day and age, these Greeks would have never heard of Jesus. They, they don't know. Maybe they heard about a movement, but there's going to be a lot of people that are hearing this for the first time. And Paul's saying, we came to you who were ignorant, you who were worshiping idols, and we told you about Jesus and his death that paid for sins and that he rose from the dead. And it's with that simple message that you all came to faith. And then he says, how quickly are you deserting from that simple message? Who has bewitched you, as he says in verse 1 of Galatians 3? Uh, who has turned your eyes around? That's really the sense of the word, right? Who, who has pulled the wool over your eyes and deceived you into thinking that your obedience to the law, specifically in this case circumcision, is your hope of salvation? Well, and you came back to the word just a minute ago quickly because time is one of the things that I struggle and, and probably others in figuring out how much time is in between things. So they use the word quickly. Like what, how quickly did they fall away? Is that a year, 100 years? Oh, yeah, definitely not 100 years. You know, dating the epistles is, is always a challenge, but I would say that from the time Paul initially went to Galatia to when he's writing, we're talking about less than a decade. Which, I mean, is still a really good Quick amount period of, time. of time. Yeah. Yeah, and, and quickly, you know, um, quickly is always relative, uh, but I think what is astonishing to Paul uh, more than anything is like he said this this simple message of Jesus crucified that is what that is what changed your life and if you look at what he says in verse uh, verse 2 <laughs> let me ask you only this question <laughs> did you receive the spirit of god by works of the law or by hearing with faith and, and again, he's hammering this point home. He's like, when you were converted to Christ, how did that happen? Did, did you do something? No, you simply heard a message. And then that message itself brought you to faith. And the rest is history. Now, if that's how it started, why are you now thinking that your salvation is going to persist because of what you do? I mean, comes right back to the fact that it's really easy. You know, we've had this talk many times where it, you can wake up every single day and feel like you're the one that's got to figure everything out for your day. You've got the plan for the day. It's your plan. Well, yeah. Think of it this way in our modern context. How quickly do you leave Sunday morning after saying, praise God, thank you for doing everything. It's finished. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of heaven to halfway through the week, looking up to heaven and going, everything's going wrong, Lord. What did I do wrong? I'm having a horrible week. What did I do? It's like Paul writing to us and saying, you foolish Christians, who's turned your eyes around? Why do you think that God deals with you according to you? 
I'm surprised you got halfway into the week. I, I, that, that's that's me on the way home. I get behind a, a driver who's you know clearly not driving the way I would have them drive, and it's out the window. Somebody else told me a similar story this morning about how they were praying and then got behind somebody and all of a sudden found themselves praying for the idiot in front of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I pray they're okay when I run into them. Yeah, and so he could ask us the same thing, right? Because here you are thinking that God is treating you according to your sins. Have you forgotten what your sins deserve? Are you alive? Are you breathing? You clearly have enough air to complain to God. He has not treated you according to your sins. He treated Christ for your sins. How quickly we forget the true grace of the gospel. And that's essentially what he's telling the Galatians. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Again, this is where if if you just sit with the text and you got to remember, this is a real man (laughs) writing to real people and he's charged up, (laughs) right? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh. Put that in another way. Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? I mean, I, on the on the surface, I take that as I would I would ask another sinner, my brother, or somebody in this room, you know, how I could be saved through them and not Christ. Say that again. If I replaced uh, God or Jesus with somebody in this room, a friend. You know, and I put my faith in them to save me and take me to heaven instead of Christ. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think another interpretation might be that I already told you that Jesus did everything for you, right? And there's nothing else to do. He said on the cross, it is finished, in fact. Mm-hmm. And now that you understand that and God granted you that faith, why on earth would you think that there's other stuff that you need to do now? Yeah, absolutely, right? This this work of salvation didn't start with you. Why do you think it's going to end with you? Right. Yeah. Thank uh, God it doesn't. And this isn't the first or the last time that Paul's going to talk about this. In another one of his letters in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, starting in verse 30, and because of really God, him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness or justification, and sanctification and redemption. So if Jesus is my righteousness, my justification, and he's my sanctification, which means now that I'm a Christian, he is how I walk out my faith. He is how my faith is completed. What's left for me to do? Nothing. That's Paul's point. You're, this is what Jesus meant when he said, if you're going to follow me, if you are my disciple, you're going to do what? If you're truly my disciple, you're going to pick up your cross, cross, which means what? Well, I was going to say you're going to die living his word. Yeah. And he says that in John 8 31 abide in my word, meaning die to yourself, live according to my truth. What else is Jesus telling his disciples? Your hope of heaven isn't coming from you. And so that's what Paul's telling the Galatians. Why are you thinking that the work God began in you, you're you somehow need to finish. And I would say that's not just the Galatians. That's us as Christians, right? 
we, we, we have that new believer fire, we live in grace, and then something happens where we start thinking that now this whole salvation thing is more dependent upon me, my understanding, my working it out, my doing this or that. The, the way I hear this question all the time is, how do I know that I'm in God's will? Well, how does Jesus define the will of God? Through the cross? Believe in me. This is the will of my Father, that you would believe in the one he has sent. Do you believe in Jesus? You're walking in the will of God. We want to know, <laughs> is this job or this house or this or that? And, and Jesus is saying, you, you, Paul is saying to the Galatians, that, that's all good stuff, but that's, that's not your hope. That's not your peace. That's not your salvation. So uh, going back to Galatians 3, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, that's really a spot where you need to take a big breath and pause because what has been the issue at hand here for the Galatians from the Judaizers in, in Jerusalem? They've said, oh, Galatian Christians, Gentile Christians, you can believe in Jesus and be saved, but you also have to be circumcised. Circumcised. So Paul's going to go back to when that was first given. Let's talk about Abraham. Let's talk about that covenant of circumcision. Before there was the covenant of circumcision, what does it say about Abraham? Right there at the end of verse six. He was righteous. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Circumcision is not what made Abraham righteous. That's not what did it. It was trust, right? And where did that trust come from? How was Abram able to trust God? How would we answer that question? Because he heard God. God spoke. Because God spoke, right? His word came to this pagan and told him to leave his land, leave everything he owned, go to this land that I'm going to show you. You don't know where it is, but I'm going to take you there. And what explanation do you have as to why this guy who didn't know who God was all of a sudden just picks up and leaves everything and does it? Because, as Paul has said for the second time now, have you been saved by works of the law, in verse 5, or by hearing with faith? He said that at the end of verse 2. Did you receive the spirit of works of the law, or by hearing with faith? Where did Abraham's faith come from to believe the Lord? Hearing. He heard it. Well, and how would you learn about the law? The law technically hasn't even been given yet. Right. But, but you'd have to hear about it. So how, and that's, and that's where Paul's argument's going to go next. If, if we keep reading, if he's been declared righteous before the law has been given, how can you say that you're made righteous before God by the law? If God said he was righteous before he gave the law. So let's keep reading in verse seven. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. 
So at the end there, they say those that are of of faith. Does that just discount everybody that's not or God hasn't came to yet? Yeah, it's saying that you are justified and you are saved by faith alone in Jesus. And if you do not have that faith, then yes, you are not saved. In the immediate context, that's not really the topic. The topic is you're not saved by anything else except faith, not circumcision, uh, not anything else. Do you want to pause for questions? Does anybody have a question or comment on this so far? Craig, you want to come up or no? Okay. Yeah, great. Uh, Craig brought up the point that um, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved to good works. Um, and that's, uh, go to Ephesians chapter two, if you're in your Bible, Ephesians chapter two. Yeah. And, and again, we have to remember the argument that's Paul Paul's making is one of salvation, not sanctification, but that doesn't mean that good works don't have a, a play in the Christian life. If you go to Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse eight, we were just talking about this actually this past week in our school, uh, celebrating Lutheran schools week. This is uh, one of the great passages from the reformation. Uh, Verse 8 of Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And here's the kicker, uh, and this is not your own doing. Meaning neither the grace nor the faith don't come from you. They are the gift of God. That's what Tim last episode was quoting, right, right, where faith comes from. Not as a result of works. So Craig, that's what he's talking about first, right? So the fact that you're saved doesn't have anything to do with works. Period, end of story. So that no one may boast. Meaning, I'm saved because I believe and I this and I, no, sorry, no, you're saved because Jesus. But then he goes on and says in verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. James puts it this way. He says, faith without works is dead. Yep. Right? The assumption there is faith exists. Now, certain sects of Christianity, and that's being generous, no offense, but Mormonism is not a sect of Christianity. That's commonly what it's referred to. Mormonism would take that passage from James and try and say, no, you are saved by works because James says no one's justified uh, by faith alone, but by the works of the law. And, and it's taken out of context. James's point to the church is, if you don't have good works, how do you know you're saved? You're not saved by good works. But if you don't have those, how do you know you have faith, right? And then you get into the question of, well, what makes a work good? <laughs> right? But, but the theological fine point is, good works don't save you. But if you're saved, those follow. It's kind of like the argument that you still hear a lot today. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Technically, yes, you are correct. You do not have to go to church to be a Christian. But if you are a Christian, what do you do? You go to church. So don't tell me you're a Christian and you don't go to church. You know, (laughs) uh, yes, that's not saving you. But if you are saved, where are you? Right? And so... Craig, you're right. It's, it's not that good works don't have a place. They do. But they don't have a place in your salvation. They have a place in your sanctification, the working out of that salvation in your life. 
Uh, Rich, do you want to come up or just shout out your question? Okay. <laughs> Correct. Even in the Old Testament. And where do you get that? You get that even in the first part of creation, right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters of the deep, like just waiting, right? You get this picture of just, he's just, ah! <laughs> and then God speaks and the spirit goes to work, right? So again, God's the creator, but he's doing it through Christ, as we learn later in Colossians, by the power of the spirit, and that spirit works first through the word of God, not through an emotion or an experience or anything else. And that's why I said, where does Abraham's faith come from? It comes from those words given to him, leave your country, leave your father's house. That's not believe in me, but the command to do it through that word gives the faith. Abraham, as he will prove, sleeping with Hagar, right? And his wife, Sarah, who, who sanctioned the whole thing, uh, I'm, he's a broken, sinful man, right? He, how many times did he doubt? The, by the way, and this is an important mark on this, in context, Genesis 15, the, the covenant of circumcision, is given as a result of Abraham's doubt and despair. It's, it's a sign of God's faithfulness, God's promise, God's work put in Abraham's flesh. So yes, he's being circumcised, but that's not Abraham's work. That's God's work. And then Paul's going to connect circumcision to baptism later. And, and we see that that's God working. Yeah, Abraham proved that if it was up to him, uh, he, he wouldn't, he already spoiled the promise. I mean, that quite frankly, God could have walked away from him after sleeping with Hagar and bearing Ishmael and saying, I got to find somebody else, man. No, but God is faithful to his promise to Abraham, and the faith is, you're right, it comes through the word, through the spirit of God. I, I like to tell people that in the Old Testament, before baptism, before Christ's baptism, the Holy Spirit worked on people. And you get this a lot, like when Paul was made king, it says the spirit of God rushed upon him. So the Holy Spirit is working on people. What Pentecost really brought was the Spirit of God inhabiting people and bringing it to the whole world. Um, one of the passages um, to, to think about also, to your point, uh, Rich, is for in the righteousness, for in Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. And he really has in mind Old Testament to New Testament. It's the same faith the same author of faith. It's just they were looking forward to Christ. We're looking back to Christ. Yeah. Uh, there was another question. Tony. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mike Bindorf, uh, one of my professors in seminary, he wrote the, the most recent commentary on Romans uh, for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. Uh, he would come to class always in a bow tie. And he would give this whole presentation on bow tie. And he says, this is the gospel. He says, from first to last, the bow tie is the gospel. And what he wanted you to realize is where the, where the bow tie has the circle in the center, he had a cross on it. And he said, from eternity, everything was looking towards Christ right? Narrowing down to the cross. Everything else after the cross 
is the other side of the bow tie and it opens up. It all centers on him. They're looking forward to Christ. We're looking back to Christ and it's all still moving forward. That's from faith for faith. We confuse it. Look, Jesus, what did he say in his Beatitudes? He said, I tell you the truth, not one dot, not one iota of the law will, will go away, Right? I haven't come to abolish the law, Jesus said. I haven't come to get rid of the Ten Commandments. I haven't come to get rid of circumcision. God's law all of a sudden isn't just sweeped under the rug. No, I've come to fulfill it as he was faithfully circumcised, Jesus, right? So he fulfills the law for us, and then through his death, he buries the law. And so their faith was looking forward to that Paschal lamb, that Passover lamb that was prophesied. We look back on that. Very good, yeah. And actually, probably in a couple weeks, depending on how many verses we get through, uh, Paul talks about in Galatians 3, in this chapter right. at the end, well, why then the law? And he gives the answer right there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely the, the law, as, as Paul would later say, uh, if it weren't for the law, I wouldn't know what it means to sin. Right, so that's what he means by guard. the The law kept us from think building another tower of Babel. <laughs> the law kept us in check, uh, and it kept us looking to that coming promised prophet of Deuteronomy eighteen, the time that was promised. The law kept reminding us of how we fail, that pushes us to Christ, uh, and that that law isn't all of a sudden null and void. It's fulfilled. And that's really Paul's argument in Galatians is you don't need to be circumcised. That whole covenant has been fulfilled by Christ. That's done. It doesn't mean it wasn't important or unnecessary, but it's finished now. That's the daily struggle for the Christian too. Like I said, you, you know, but well, I, I was generous and said half the week and you said by the end of the day on Sunday. Uh, by the drive home, I you, you You think God deals with you according to your sin or your righteousness. We, we, we are creatures of the law. And that's why Luther said, you need to be drowned daily in your baptism. Not be rebaptized. Remember what was done for you and done to you. That's how your day should start, and that's how your day should end. Well, and I think that's also uh, answers why we as Christians get offended when somebody that we know is really, we're not as bad as that guy, and he <laughs> and he's saved? You're, yeah. God, you're really going to save that guy? He's terrible. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we act as if it's a point system. Well, you know, and that's where we can start to get pride and arrogant mm-hmm. about our own faith. And we start to judge other churches, uh, you know, they've got that color carpet. How dare they have that color carpet, you know, <laughs> as if that yeah. has anything to do with salvation. Yeah. Well, I think we're probably at time, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> what does that mean? No, well, we have had a little bit of a gap, but we're at 29, 24. So I'm sure because we were at 40 minutes last last time. Yeah, 40 minutes. I think you'll have a good time tonight to edit this yeah, show. Yeah, well, I'm only editing one of those shows tonight. But, uh, well, that brings us to the, uh, what verse did we get uh, to finally here? Uh, we got to the verse. We'll start with verse 10 next time. No, we got to verse 7. Yep. So we, we now made it officially through verse 6. I thought you said, I, I thought you ended up with that man of faith. No, we ended with, uh, and it was counted to him as righteousness, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Chip's right. We ended at verse nine. Yeah. In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, 
the man of faith. Have faith, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for joining yes, thank us. Thank you so much. This was uh, such we a We appreciate privilege. it, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for everybody listening online. Uh, it's a, a privilege and an honor to bring the gospel to you. We'll and, see you next week. And you know what? Ask questions. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. We love questions, obviously. Yep. So please ask questions. All right. God bless. Till next week. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com to find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.